Hi. Hola. I'm Julian. I am Tomas. We are Believe, a Ted Lasso podcast, here to talk about Season 2, Episode 11. The, as you like to call, the penultimate episode. It is. It's fun to say. Not the finale, but the pendulum episode. Second to last episode. Second to last. Got it. This one is called Midnight Train to Royston, which is a play on both a song and a place. Can you give us the song, Tom? My song would assume it's Ray Charles' Midnight Train to Georgia? No. Oh, small Town Girl, that one. <laughs> Living in a Lonely yeah, World. Yeah, that one. They're taking a midnight train going anywhere. I mean, okay. I, I mean, a midnight trains, I guess, exist in, in pop culture. So. Only those two songs. <laughs> and then Royston is a place somewhere, correct? I'm assuming it's like the British version of Midnight Train to Georgia. Okay. So Royston <laughs> is apparently where Dr. Sharon is headed, which they do this whole goodbye thing. And apparently Hertfordshire is only like an hour away. <laughs> so they could probably meet, you know, halfway, 30 minutes. Where's Hertfordshire? An hour away. What? No, but have we, I don't even know if I've heard of Hertfordshire. Uh, I looked it up. Royston is Hertfordshire an hour away. <laughs> okay. I know so much more now. You're welcome. The themes for this episode, Sharon leaving Ted. Nate wants to be the boss, Tom. Mm-hmm. Don't he we wants all? wants to be the boss. He Don't keeps asking people. The Vanity Fair shoot. The Vanity Fair business edition shoot for mm-hmm. Keely. Yep. And then Sam's big offer from our good friend from Ghana. Did you like this episode, Tom? I thought this episode was a return to form. I did too. Yes, sir. It was just fun. Like, Ted was just super quick and witty throughout the entire episode. Uh, It was more fun-loving Ted. Uh, Still has some drama elements and everything in there, but this is more of what I want from this show. I'm glad mid-season they hit their stride. And (laughs) so we have all these other episodes because this is what we want out of them. An ultimate episode is where they bring it back. I I appreciated them bringing it full circle. Game opens as Richmond is winning a game and we find out that Sam has scored a hat trick. Mm -hmm. And this is where we find out where they're at in the the league, which is where. Yeah, they're apparently a game away from making or or getting promoted to back to the premier league premier league Um, i think we predicted this last episode we're talking about like they need to get back to the soccer because they got to give us something to show where we're at in this season so they do it right away they start with the crowd noise they uh the announcers as they generally do carry a heavy load of the uh, plot development um and we get right into it it was good so what's a hat trick tom a hat trick is when a player in Soccer or other sports scores three goals. So did you know where this term came from? I Maybe hockey, I would assume. I, I thought guess. it was hockey as well. So I looked it up and I think the like traditional is hockey. But it actually appeared for the first time in 1858 oh. during a cricket match. I wasn't born then. No, you were not. A man by the name of, well, I mean, we all know the classic cricketer, (laughs) H.H. Stevenson. Cricketeer. Sure. What did I say? (laughs) Cricketer. Cricketer, sure. Cricketer is a different thing. He's one of the three cricketeers. Cricketer cricketer (laughs) is someone who collects crickets, obviously. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of collected, great transition here. This guy bowled over three wickets. I don't know how cricket is played. (laughs) I'm assuming it's the sticks behind the batter. Yes. Or whatever they call the guy with the flat bat. And he bowled them three in a row, like consecutive throws. And so fans collected money and bought him a hat. Hmm. 
So that's where the term came from. <laughs> You're welcome, funny. everyone. What kind of hat? I'm assuming a bowler hat yeah. because he was bowling at cricket wickets. <laughs> I'm sure that's... Say that five times fast. I will not. Uh, isn't Sam a defenseman? Uh, yeah, and I think the commentators mentioned like this is his first hat trick, which would make sense for a defenseman because they're generally not goal scorers. Right. But a lot of defensemen are, are kind of known for being good in the air so they'll come up for corner kicks and things oh, like that okay. so defenders can can go up generally like wing defenders as well on the left or right side so not not unheard of got it i like this opening because it was a reminder of how happy sam can be like right? it was happy sam yeah. like he's smiling everyone's congratulating him they give him the game ball is that mm-hmm. a thing in soccer you get the game ball from the refs not that i'm aware of but it wouldn't surprise me if like it in is. football they show the locker room they're like hey the game ball goes to so and so well i feel like like in football like tom brady throws his 898th touchdown they'll give him the ball or whatever the guy will put, toss it to the guy in the sidelines that keeps it so i'm assuming sam wants to keep this ball because it's his first ever hat trick sure um, so yeah no, it was. I understand the point. I just didn't know whether or not that was a thing at the end of yeah. uh, football games. <laughs> You're welcome. So, celebratory Sam is texting Rebecca. She actually sends him a text to congratulate him. Uh, how surprised were you that Sam drives a Tesla? Uh, I don't think I would be very surprised. Not it's surprised a, at yeah, all. Yeah, it's an environmentally conscious vehicle. Exactly. Yeah. Sounds like it's right up Sam's alley, mm-hmm. and that's good. And Deborah's alley, because we learned she just got a Tesla. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then there's this call back to Colin can't handle the Lamborghini. Oh, He's that like, was so great. It's too much car for me. It's too much car. And <laughs> then he also puts the... He's the one that puts his keys in the fire, right? Yeah, well, he was going to put the keys in the fire. Sure. And they said, like, I took it a little too literally. But, like, what, what did he say? He turns down his window and he's like, wish me luck. Wish me luck. Like, yeah, he knows. About the car? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes, he knows it's going to go poorly. <laughs> oh, that was great. Then we go from there to Keely and Rebecca, and they keep shrieking at each other, <laughs> which was fun. And we find out that Keely is going to be featured in Vanity Fair's Business Edition. Got to admit, didn't know this was a thing. But it's about powerful woman on woman on the rise. That's not how you say that. I'm gonna try that again. Wait, do you not know? Well, sorry, go ahead. Powerful women on the rise. I do know that powerful women on the rise is a thing. Okay. I did not know that Vanity Fair did a specific business thing. Don't turn me into a monster, Tom. Don't you do it. I see there's a little bit of gray in your hair. Um, no, I to, yeah, I, I don't know what Vanity Fair does. Are they just like a, are they a fashion magazine? I thought so, yeah. Okay. But so they've got as you can tell, I ended my subscription years ago, so I no longer get them. Just correct. And Ted comes in during this, and there's this funny bit where, <laughs> guess who is like the, I don't know, powerful woman in business? I finally got it! Yeah! <laughs> That's so great. <laughs> and then it's, hey, we're passing around an envelope for Dr. Sharon because she's leaving. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, what gift did you settle? Oh, it's, what gift did you settle on? Oh, an envelope of cash. Yeah, like a wonderful. candle or a scarf doesn't seem appropriate. <laughs> this scene, once again, like you said at the top, this scene felt like old Ted, mm-hmm. happy Ted, joking Ted, quick Ted, very refreshing, super refreshing, like a Sprite or a Fresca. <laughs> so refreshing. Have you ever been part of community work gifts, Tom? Uh, yeah, I have, and I always feel weird about it. Like, I don't know. Like, if I'm gonna get the person a gift, I'll give them a gift. But if it's like a generic person that I never really work with, I feel odd that I need to throw money in. Like, I doubt 
Dr. Sheeran like did therapy with everybody there, but should every player be given money? I don't know. I guess I guess moral of the story is not a giving person. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good that we're discovering that about you. <laughs> My only comment to this is one time at work, someone was leaving and the person was a huge jerk. And they were like, hey, we're all going to pitch in for the gift. And I was like, no. Nah. I was like, no, I'm I'm not pitching in for that guy. That guy was a jerk. Did you put gum in the box? Was there a box? No, I didn't. You didn't put take gum in tart the box. style. This guy 100 percent deserved <laughs> no one getting him a gift. Uh he was not a good human. I'll say that. My favorite community gift moment of any TV show moment is in the office where Creed, oh. they have the quality <laughs> control issue with the two beloved cartoon characters. In uh, a terrible act on the paper, uh -huh. watermarked on the paper, mm -hmm. the quality control woman gets fired, and Creed, who gets her fired essentially, yes, then passes around an envelope. He's like, "Hey, this is to help her through the hard time." And just there's this great scene where he's leaving with the envelope. He pulls all the cash out. He throws the the card in the trash. Doesn't just doesn't hesitate doesn't like, skip a beat oh yep. it's so good pockets it's it card is so gone. good don't don't do that don't take from the offering plate when it goes by and don't steal from the envelope as and, it gets passed around and don't visit createthoughts.gov create thoughts even for the internet it's it's pretty risky stuff <laughs> we see rebecca oh the way these two handle cash is funny rebecca's got like flat well and then uh keely looks like she has crumpled every note into her purse and it, doesn't, it doesn't seem very efficient i don't <laughs> no, know how she deals with currency but i would not recommend this it seems like people just throw wads <laughs> of money at keely and that's how she collects it oh have you noticed that rebecca the way she addresses higgins no i don't think i do like ever since I want to say the end of first season, she always calls him Leslie. Oh, okay. She always, Everyone else still calls him Higgins. Mm -hmm. I don't know what episode that was where she found out his first name. I think it was the season finale. Or when that like turn was made. Uh -huh. But she, or whenever she invited him back, mm -hmm. she she now just always calls him Leslie. And it's noticeable because he walks in the room and everyone goes, Higgins, Higgins. And she's like, Leslie? And she does it every time. I thought that was interesting. I yeah. thought it was a good touch of like how close they've gotten. Yeah, I do like that. Then we are introduced through speech to Edwin Akufo, who Akufu. is a... What is it? Akufu. Akufu. Okay, yes. thank you. A Ghana tech firm billionaire. He's worth 1.2 billion pounds. So that's like, what, 8 trillion American? I don't know what the transfer. I know the dollar's <laughs> strong right now, super strong, but I don't know what that is in pounds. Is, did you do the? the... No, God, it's not even close to that. <laughs> okay, okay. It's my American imperialism uh, hard at work. There I think it's a roughly double. So I think it's like probably two point four billion. Be a rough translation. I'm going to do the double math. Too difficult, Tom. <laughs> Maybe it's the other way. I don't know. Don't yell. He's me rich. No, yeah, exactly. He's, He's rich. rich. He could buy up museums. But oh, okay. We'll yeah, get we'll there. get into that. We'll get there. Nate and Will, we're back in uh, Nate's office. Will's giving him a suit. And Nate is, I cannot say the word I want to use because we're a family show, Tom. He's a donkey. He is a donkey. Just He's a, donkey. a giant donkey. I would also argue Will's a bit of a donkey here as well. Why? Because like, he said. Will, Will didn't need to say that. Like, he didn't need to say, oh, here's the suit that Ted bought you. Like, it was a little bit donkeyish. <laughs> I thought it was great. <laughs> it was funny. Will should get his digs in where he can. But <laughs> the way Nate. I don't know. The way Nate deals with people, obviously they're building to something mm -hmm. here. 
And I do like how whenever they shoot these scenes, Beard is always through the glass reading. Yep. And you get his expression. And he just does such a great job uh, just, like, with what he's thinking on his face Mm -hmm. in, like, subtle ways. Yeah. And so Roy then walks in and he's like, Oi, are my eyebrows crazy? No context. Just, Oi, are my eyebrows crazy? Nate looks to Beard, and this is what I'm talking about. Beard gives the slightest of, like, no shakes. Don't 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 say anything. Don't Don't, engage. Don't take the bait. Yeah. (laughs) And then everyone all of a sudden become self-conscious about their eyebrows. And we find out it's because Roy has to do a photo shoot with Keeley, Mm -hmm. and the photo shoot coordinator was like, hey, we need to do something about (laughs) your eyebrows. They're crazy. Have you gotten that sense? He's got. I feel like he's gotten that crazy. I feel like they're powerful eyebrows. Yeah, I've never had an. I've never had an issue with Roy's eyebrows. Yeah. Not once. I've yeah. never thought they were crazy, at all. I think they have matched every one of his outfits, which <laughs> leads us to Roy then complaining about having to wear black during the photo shoot because Keeley needs to pop. Yeah, and, and then Nate's like, upset. "You always wear black. What's <laughs> yeah. the big deal?" Yeah. And then he gets into an argument about what color his shirt is. Which is? Which is dark heather charcoal. Dark heather charcoal. And this is great. Ted comes in. Ted's like, "Ah, I love listening to men argue about fashion. Who's winning? It's Once again, it's fun Ted is back. Yeah, agreed. And then Nate starts talking strategy for the next game. Mm -hmm. And he brings up a false nine, Tom. I am going to give you the soccer floor, the pitch, (laughs) as we like to say here. Uh, what is a false nine? Yeah, so a false nine is when, and they, they kind of describe it in the show, you kind of more or less take your attacking forwards and you bring them higher up the field, kind of making them play more in the midfield uh, to kind of get the ball and then distribute it back as opposed to trying to get lofted balls over the defense and get breakaways kind of a thing. Okay. So it's more of a kind of possession game. Uh, really popularized by uh, Lionel Messi is really, really famous for it. And actually, Johan Cruyff, uh, or I'm probably mispronouncing that name. No, that sounds um, right. That's how I've always heard it pronounced. Kru- Cruyff? Yeah, um, that's the one. <laughs> but he was Kruyff. the... Uh, <laughs> yeah. He is the Danish football player that Jan Moss references in a few episodes back. Mm. Uh, another famous guy that you know, is known for kind of coming back, getting the ball, holding up the ball uh, to then get other players to run behind the defense. So it sounds like they all buy into this fake nine. Yep. False nine. Thank you, Nate. You <laughs> fell for it. <laughs> and this is where Nate starts con- to complain about Ted taking all the credit and Roy and Beard give him this look. And Roy's like, yeah, that's the job, mate. Like, yeah. what I thought was interesting is Ted's not a credit taker. Like, mm-hmm. uh, there are times on the sidelines where, like, the the episode with Trent Krim where uh, Ted's like, hey, that, that idea was uh nate the greats over yeah, there this oh, is why ready? nate is coaching right now right. is because ted did this so. yeah it <laughs> makes you realize and this is something that i think we all do we like get an opportunity we rise to a certain level and then if we're not careful we start to think i did this all on my own mm-hmm. like i deserve this. and sometimes you do I, I understand hard work but there is like this kind of mental thing of you know what i got here on my own no yeah. one helped me when actually, typically people help you get to where you're at. Like 100%. Someone yeah. brings you alongside. Yeah, so right. this is like a very human thing to do, but Nate is falling for it. And I just think like the way Roy and Beard like look at each other <laughs> and they're like, yeah, we're assistant coaches. He's supposed to get all the credit. Yeah. But that's not even what he's like. I mean, really, the argument should have been, when have you ever heard Ted take credit for something like mm-hmm. or need the publicity? Yeah. 
So I know that was uh, interesting. And this is leading us to evil, Nate. This road <laughs> all season has been graying us and graying us. Like to goatee evil. is slowly coming in. Yes, and turning gray. <laughs> and he's like, don't you ever want to be the boss? And then Beard shares this analogy about trees. And <laughs> listen, I'm not a socialist. <laughs> Made me hate trees, Tom. <laughs> It made me think, no, the bigger trees should take all the sunlight from the smaller trees. But that's fine. Trees can do what they want, like provide us oxygen or turn carbon. Whatever. Yeah, photosynthesis. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> so I thought it was a weird analogy. First off, it wasn't that hard to like understand. And Nate acts like he's like, no, I don't get it. And yeah. Roy's like, no, he just gave you the answer. Clear as day. Did you notice what book Beard is reading? I did not. Usually I'm pretty good at the book Beard checks, but I missed this one. So I thought his analogy was so weird that I looked at the book. And not that it was weird. It was just kind of, it Off came out of nowhere and it named like a botanist or something that <laughs> yeah. deals with like studied trees. So what he is reading is a book called The Entangled Life by Merlin Sheldrake. If that's not the most British <laughs> wizard name you've ever heard of, uh, that's who helped out uh king arthur and it's about fungi and how it affects our lives so i looked it up on amazon and uh there was this little synopsis on amazon that i would like to read to you Ooh, i'm excited and so there's this picture if you go to the amazon page there's a picture of the book called entangled life and what they have done is they have put like some fungi on it so the book has like mushrooms growing out of it and so it's a super cool picture with like mushrooms growing out of this book. And this is what it says. It says the book was dampened and inoculated with pleterus, which is oyster mushroom, mycelium. The mycelium that digests the pages and the words of the book and sprouted all over the course of seven days. So it took seven days for all these mushrooms to to sprout. Wow. Platoris can digest many things from crude oil to used cigarette butts, and it is one of the fungal species that shows the most promise in mycormediation. I don't know what that is, <laughs> okay. but this is what I thought was so funny. It is also delicious when fried lightly in garlic <laughs> and will make it possible for the author to eat his own words. Oh, that's brilliant. So they could take the mushrooms <laughs> off the book fry them up and eat them. I thought that was funny. That's super cool, man. Yeah, so I think that is like a tie-in to the tree analogy because he's reading a book about mm -hmm. fungi and actually the uh, scientist that he mentions in his analogy, her book shows up or his book shows up okay. when you look at that. So it's all related. So Beard is really diving into forestry and fungi and plants. I could see Beard being like a botanist in another life. Sure, yeah. sure. Or just interested in that kind of natural mm -hmm. order. And Sometimes I feel like I wish I had that natural curiosity to just like, we have these phones that have the world at our fingertips and I never search interesting things like this or read interesting books like that. I should do more of that. You should. Or you could just watch Ted Lasso over <laughs> and over and over again and that will kill your free time. <laughs> The team is on the pitch, and the way they cut this, you think they're, like, practicing soccer <laughs> so and not brilliant. doing it well. And I'm going to let you talk through most of this, <laughs> because this is not a musical reference that speaks to me as much as I know it does to you and as much as it did for, like, my wife and probably your wife. But what are they? First off, Beard's line is, 
They're just not in sync. They're not in sync. They're out of beat. They're out of the line. Uh, they are doing a choreographed dance to InSync. Which is such a great... Like, I didn't know if the subtitle didn't catch InSync. Like, when Beard says it, he says, they're just not in sync. I didn't know if he was saying, they're just oh, not the band in sync, or they're not in sync as they're doing the dance. I'll give you the floor. Oh, that's clever. I missed that little like pun or play on words. Um, but they're doing Bye Bye Bye, which is very appropriate for Dr. Sharon leaving. Sure. Uh, you know, off of the you know No Strings Attached album, which... I must say, it's, it's an album that changed my life. Okay. Uh, very instrumental to me as a young young boy uh, wanting to be a boy bander. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. And apparently my wife like knew this was coming. She must like saw it in like, an internet article or something. But she was like, oh, I knew this was coming, but I'm so excited. Yeah. Yeah. It is a great moment. And um, unfortunately, it is interrupted by Akufo, Edwin mm-hmm. Akufo, arriving with um, seemingly three... Land Rovers filled with security <laughs> people, and then he lands the helo on the pitch. Yeah, right in the center circle of the pitch. Uh, and I, like when you saw the cars coming up, I'm like, oh, okay, he's going to be in this like motorcade of cars. But no, you've got the massive play or uh, helicopter that comes in with a Khufu on the side. Sure, very classy. Uh, and he pops out and he just does this like great little like walk and wink in, and yeah. it was great. Yeah, I've got a lot of uh, security questions, like <laughs> why three vehicles are keeping a helicopter secure, like how that works when it's in the air and they're driving on the road, who's doing what. And how Sam they... is with the team during this dance and song, correct? Yes. Yeah, he sure is. Okay, this brings me to my point about security details that are mentioned in the museum. Sam watched this guy land a helicopter and drive up in three Land Rovers. Let's put a let's put a pin in that <laughs> okay. point right now because it's going to come up later. A pin has been pointed. Who plays uh, Edwin Akufu? Sam Richardson. I knew he was in this season, and I was like, kind of like holding it back because I was like, where where is he going to come in? Uh, but love love this character. And where do you him. know him from? I know him from Veep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Veep. Um, he's also from a show, The Detroiters, which he did with <clears throat> the gentleman who has the sketch show on Netflix. So um, it's called. Uh, for time, pause, think of it, look it on the internet, and the answer is <sighs> disappointing. Thank you for coming. Something like that. No, I wish you were here. No. Anyways, I'll cut all that out. <laughs> the show is called "I Think You Should Leave." So I know I know him mainly from Veep as well, mm-hmm. and he's great in Veep. Fantastic. Spoiler alert, he becomes eventually the president in Veep, <laughs> which is just a wonderful. But his character in Veep is is great. And then the other thing is, like, he is clearly doing a Ghana, like, accent and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, is he from... I had to look it up. I was like, is he from... He's not from Ghana, but I remembered I watched him do Conan Without Borders when Conan oh. visited Ghana. Yes, I do remember so that. So he linked up with Conan in Ghana. So his family, like, is originally from Ghana. Mm-hmm. And I just want to plug here, because Conan O'Brien doesn't get enough publicity <laughs> or plugs. If you haven't watched Conan Without Borders, watch Conan Without Borders. So fantastic. It's on, like, Netflix and HBO. I uh-huh. think it, it streams in, like, they each have different episodes. I don't know what licensing's going where, but... Mm. Conan O'Brien put in a foreign country. <laughs> I could watch that just for hours. He's great. Like everything is awkward. He just does his bit. Yeah. I don't know. I guess you gotta love Conan O'Brien, but well, I he's really just, enjoy his stick. He's such a fish out of water, and when he goes to these countries like Ghana, he's like this eight foot tall, like pale white guy. Irishman, with, yeah, yeah. You know, just uh, crazy hair, red, and 
he's just fun and he's like very sincere when he goes to these places and it's just having a good time with these local cultures and stuff couldn't recommend it more and he's not afraid to look like a fool and <laughs> no. he often does yeah and people like normal people who don't know who he is are just like what is this guy's deal yeah uh, highly recommend Conan Without Borders. <laughs> Anyways, Sam Richardson was on the Ghana episode with mm -hmm. him. He does not shake hands with Ted in this situation. Yeah. He's got a handshaking dude that does that for him. It's pretty dope. Sure. We're <laughs> going to go into that a little bit later as well. <clears throat> they leave to go talk with uh, Rebecca. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, yeah, Ted passes off the dance to Beard. Uh, and Beard, like, this is a catch if you miss it. I missed it the first time I watched it. But Beard's reply is, oh, yeah, it's got to be me. Which is, I think, a reference to In Sing Song. It's okay. gonna be me. Okay. Uh, which is great. All right. Uh, might actually be off the same album. I could be wrong. Don't yell on the internet. I thought that album <laughs> changed your life. How do you not have every song memorized it on did, there? It did. It did. I just don't know where those deep cuts come I from. I bet if my wife walks by the door, we could ask her and <laughs> yeah. she could tell us. Oh, uh, that's great. The team then nails the dance. Crushed it. Who we, is the star dancer? As you're looking at them, who is the star dancer? Did oh, someone stand out to you? The tart stood out oh, like man. a sore thumb. Jamie was going for it. I felt like Jamie uh, or Phil Dunster knew that dance already. Yeah. Like they went out to shoot this episode and he's like, no, no, no. You don't have to show me. I've he got was, this. He was where Beard was and he was teaching everybody else the choreography. Yes, and yes. then he came out when they shot. Yeah. Uh, I feel like he just like Beard might be a botanist in a former life. I feel like Jamie Tarter or Phil Dunster could have been a boy, boy band. Boy band. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they had, they had NSYNC on, on set that day. And yeah. they were like, hey, we'll teach you our dance. And Phil's like, no, no, no. I, no, uh, I can't do a British accent. <laughs> but he's like, bruv, I got it. <laughs> bruv. Uh, I do have a question for you. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, why were they so out of breath after finishing the dance sequence? They're all holding it while they're waiting for Beard's reaction. And they're they're all panting. I don't know. Do we see them start it? I felt like we just catch the back end of it. Because they do the whole song, right? No, I don't think they do. I think they're just doing this like they start it and they just do the... the main chorus. Yeah, Dancing's yeah, yeah. hard, man. Well, That's I mean, why I don't do it. Sure. I'll give you that, but I would also argue these are professional footballers. That should be That's pretty fair. good shape. So, a little odd. I don't dance because dancing leads to sinning. <laughs> You're Expand? welcome for that. Nope, nope. I will okay. not. Tom, how many talent shows did you perform this song uh, when you were a young man? You might be surprised to, to hear this. Did not perform a talent show to this song, but did perform a talent show in third grade to boys to men on bended knee okay yep didn't sing it myself did a little lip syncing on stage by myself i was a solo boys to man you did it solo <laughs> i had this i had like a vet at a white shirt i had like a tan vest on uh it was it was classic all my you buddies are gonna be making music song <laughs> by yourself in third grade i bet the teachers <laughs> love that uh i also had like a, a set of groupies there were like four girls in front of me that were just like hanging around while i was singing it was super probably creepy but adorable no nope, doesn't sound creepy at all let me ask you this did life ever get better after that moment so that was third grade talent show i and, took fourth and fifth grade off i okay. took those years off okay sixth grade came back strong spice girls wannabe Ugh. now i did not sing that by myself sure i sung that with a quartet of others so i guess we were a five tet okay the this five tet men <laughs> or women these were all men. Okay. Uh, we dressed to the nines. Uh, if you had to guess, which Spice Girl do you think I portrayed? Sporty. Mm. It's, a, it's a fair guess. Posh. No. Nope. Those are all I know. <laughs> I 
I was scary. Okay. I don't know the difference between any of them. <laughs> Tom, this will surprise you. I was never in a talent show. You want to know why? You have no talent. Because <laughs> talent shows lead to sinning. Oh, wow. All right. So then we're with uh, Khufu. I'm going to get in trouble for my mispronunciation of his name. I'm going to call him Edwin. Oh, Edwin a Kufu. A McCain. Kufu. The guy that is our crying shoulder. That was Edmund McCain, right? Anyways. Oh, yeah. Son of John. Higgins, <laughs> Rebecca, Keely, and Ted are all in a discussion in Rebecca's office. Mm -hmm. And we find out that Edwin does not want to buy the team because that is what Higgins uh, conjected in the beginning. Good work. Thank you. I do this for a living. <laughs> but he wants to buy Sam Obasanya. Um, I'm going to say transfer because buying individuals seems strange. I feel like that's soccer talk there. But yeah. He wants to give her a very handsome transfer fee in order to bring Sam Obasanya over to his team. I think they ask him, like, what team? And he's like, oh, I don't have one yet, or I can't reveal it yet. Yeah. Few people know about it. Right. Few mm -hmm. people know mm -hmm. about it. And Higgins is like, I believe he's giving you an offer that you can't refuse. <laughs> And Ted's like, oh, the Godfather. Picks up on it immediately. Yeah, picks up on it immediately. Although at this point, I think an offer you can't refuse is just kind of a general term. I don't know that I always associate it with Godfather. Yeah, it's been used enough in like the zeitgeist that it kind of lost its initial referencing. Right. And then Rebecca's like, well, then I'm refusing an offer you can't make. And Ted's like, I don't know that one. Is that Godfather <laughs> 3? And Godfather 3, if I recall, is, like, notoriously terrible. Like, yeah. I've seen 1 and 2. I don't think I've seen 3. Have you seen 3? I think they get worse. I could be wrong. I know 3 is awful. No, no, no. 1 and 2 are both really good. In well, fact, I, know, I but... think people think 2 is better than 1. Okay, that's what I was going to ask, if 2 was the better or, or the first. Much like the Star Wars movies, and by that I mean the series, the second series that came out, like Phantom Menace and those, are oh, better than my jam. the first series, the, the original the ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Revenge of the Sith nerds. Yep, that's the one. We got it. Skywalker. Luke How many of those Sabers? did you do at talent shows? <laughs> None. I, I recorded those in my basement. <laughs> With your lightsaber. <laughs> Where are we at on cloning? Is the big question <laughs> that comes out of this meeting. And once again, this is just Ted. Like, Ted being great Ted. He's like, you know, the Scottish people are pretty quiet over there, which is a reference to the sheep that they cloned. It is took that me, right? Yeah, it took me a second. I'm like, why would Scottish be sheep? But they well, that think, sheep had a name. It was Dolly. Oh, okay. Yeah, Good Dolly for you. I Dolly didn't remember. Yeah, it was. I think actually named after Dolly Parton. The people that did it were fans of her music, which who isn't? She's a national treasure. She is a national treasure. Um, but yeah, it like took me aback. I'm like, why the Scottish? But yeah, and like, can we can we dive into that a little bit? What's going on with cloning, man? What's going on with cloning? I do like that his theory is, hey, because they've gotten quiet about it, they're probably really close to nailing it. Yeah. And I believe A4 Studios is coming out with a movie about Dolly, <laughs> the sheep clone, because we saw it in the preview when we went and saw The Green Knight, yep. which is one of the best movies I've ever spent three hours staring at a screen, wondering <laughs> why am I doing this with my life and how did I drag friends to this movie? Hey, we appreciate it, man. We have you're, a lot of good stories from it. You're welcome. <laughs> Edwin Akufu, did I get it? Nailed it, man. Shakes Sam's hand. Mm -hmm. So, what's happening here? Let's dive into this, Tom. Let's get into a little bit of trouble. <laughs> he wouldn't shake Ted's hand, but he'd shake Sam's hand. I mean, is it 
fellow countrymen. I know they're not from the same country. No, nope. see, that's racist, Tom, because they're not from the same country. Well, but you were going to say it's because Ted's white. I was. <laughs> that's what I think is implied here. And Ted gives this look like, ah, okay, well, that's fine. It is kind of weird. Like, it's just like, they're obviously playing on, like, the race thing. Right. Like, even yeah, Well, then there's a, a comment where he goes, a sad white man is still a white man. Yeah. I was like, what? Yeah, and then Ted's response, word. Like, <laughs> he does like a very like weird cultural reference there. So it's a weird back and forth play, and I don't know exactly what they're trying to tell us. Listen, but... this is a minefield. I'd love to roll around <laughs> it a little bit. Really get in trouble, but it is what it is. I wasn't bothered by it. I did appreciate how like Ted just took it in stride. He was like, oh, all right, that makes sense. Fine. Because <laughs> he literally says, he goes, oh, he doesn't shake it. Uh-oh. Oh. Yep. And they do a cool handshake, too. During this scene, I want to point out that Rebecca does just some great acting mm -hmm. because the thing that they're setting up here is she doesn't want Sam to leave, mm -hmm. but she can't say, oh, we want to keep Sam because she's got to be like business minded and no one other than Keeley knows that they had. She's got to be a boss, a boss AB. Yeah, a boss AB. Thank you. <laughs> a bab. Yep, a bab. <laughs> we got there. I did think it was great. Keely's outburst was, Rebecca loves Sam. <laughs> we all love Sam. We all love Sam. <laughs> Ted, yeah, doesn't pick up on it at all. But I do think um, Hannah Waddingham does just like a great job mm -hmm. with, and even how she ends the scene, she shoves the biscuit in her mouth. And we know when she eats biscuits like that, that she's stressed out. Mm -hmm. I do appreciate that we get a little bit of Higgins backstory when he talks about like, a play that he wrote oh yeah that was weird <laughs> about, like, I, I appreciate absurd comedy <laughs> and they really went for it in that moment yeah because he said like oh a billionaire buys a footballer and they go to a museum what happens oh they get free lunch because they found glass in their soup <laughs> or something like super odd super weird but then keely's like oh man i wish i could write fiction yeah and he's like i should revisit that piece of work <laughs> hopefully we get more great. of that in season three yeah it's his uh mm -hmm. michael scarn play <laughs> yeah uh, threat level midnight. Threat level midnight. There it is. <laughs> then we're in Keeley's office. She goes down there and Nate scares her because Nate is he's just uh, creepy there. Yeah, he's just sitting in the dark in her uh, chair with the pillow. Cuddling that fuzzy, fuzzy pillow. Yeah, And lot. so they decide to go suit shopping. Mm-hmm. I do appreciate that uh, Keely's like, oh, I need to go shopping to get some stuff, too. You know, we can kill two birds with one stone. And then Nature responds, all right, let's go murder some birds with a rock. I laughed and laughed and <laughs> laughed. It was a great line. And I didn't catch it the first time through, but, like, it's one of those, like, walk and talks. Like, they're ending the scene, and you just, you get the back of him, so you don't see him saying it, but you hear him, I was attacked by a bird once. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah, he and starts the like, story. We don't get the rest of it. But, yeah. <laughs> Tom, have you ever been shoot, uh, suit shopping before? Wow. I'm going to suit shopping before. I have not. I've been to and been in a couple of weddings. And obviously I had my own wedding where I had to get fitted for a suit. But I don't think I've ever gone specifically to just buy a new suit a la Anchorman. Sure, sure. Do you buy suits? No. All right. Then we're at Roy. <laughs> Uh, and Phoebe's school. He walks in. There is a woman in a sweater. And she is like, clearly a, clearly a homemade sweater. <laughs> clearly a homemade sweater. I don't know that I initially caught it was covered in lollipops. Oh, you didn't? No. But uh, once she, I think, offered him one or we saw that, then I was like, okay. And we find out later her name is Karen, which is just a perfect name for this character. Do you think that was a like, hey, Karen? Do you think that's the, the when people get called a Karen? It could this... be. Okay. Could be. 
Then we are back with the lovely Miss Bowen. I know you that accent just melts your oh, heart. Oh, it melts things. my German heart. <laughs> Phoebe was already picked up, so Roy is there for no reason. I called this, Tom. I called this. I called this. I called this. <laughs> when he has to go in to learn that Phoebe's been swearing at other children uh -huh. or just in general, there are some eyes that are happening between his outrageous eyebrows and her beautiful Irish face. Um, and I called this. I called this. I called this. You did. I'll give you internet points. You called this one. Just like I called Keely and Ted ending up together. I called Miss Bowen and Roy. Mm -hmm. He has this great line where I think I can do it and not get in trouble. Well, because, yeah, he, she comes in like, oh, by the way, mom already picked her up like an hour ago. Right, because it's half day. Yeah. And, and his response? Goes, Fun. <laughs> Fun, isn't it? Fun, isn't it? <laughs> I love when they say isn't it. And the good. subtitles reads it phonetically. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> There's wine bottles out, and Roy's like, I knew teachers did this when we weren't around. <laughs> <Yes>. He's so suspicious. <laughs> and then we find out, okay, it's a parents' fundraiser. Mm -hmm. They're putting out all the kids' artwork so yep. the parents can buy the artwork. I like this idea. I thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah. Although they should do it as an auction, just like the charity auction in season one, mm. and parents should be able to like run up other kids' <laughs> art just to stick it to other parents. Just to put it in the trash bin. What does Phoebe draw, Tom? Phoebe drops boobs. Did you find this strange? I found it a little weird. Okay. But I would also say it was weird. Okay. <laughs> Do we need to wonder where the inspiration for these drawings is coming from? Uh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe her mom is like uh, a free-spirited woman. Uh, but I, I think we need to focus on how talented Phoebe is at okay. this art. Okay. Clearly talented. No uh, question about the talent. And that she is not hung up on the sexually repressed society in which she lives. Sure, because they've got all those puritanical laws. Yep, all those decency laws. All those decency laws, yeah. Thank Phoebe's you. not having it. I assumed maybe Keely hung out around the house, maybe a little bit more. Or maybe, based on some of the photo shoots they talk about later in the episode, maybe Phoebe is just uh, familiar with Keely's photo shoots Keys. did i mix those names up i hope i did it because it would be super weird <laughs> if i did no you're good okay uh this reminded me of the like uh do, or this remind you of anything like this like boob pictures out yeah of there's, a, there's a movie with like jonah hill yeah. where he's talking about <laughs> he can't stop drawing inappropriate things yeah uh super bad okay yeah, yeah. where they go in those crazy long sequence and they show a bunch of uh uh, members. Those were not artful. <laughs> this is this is much more like art. I'll do a little bit, a mini deep dive in Super Bad. The I can't remember exactly who, but it was like the brothers, or the writer's brother of that movie, or some. So there's some kind of connection. But he drew like thousands of pictures of male members, members. and like then they chose an X amount of there them. There was to actually a day show where the they movie. were like, "Oh, which one should we use?" This was all this guy did, which is just fantastic. Incredible work, beautiful drawings. They belong in a museum. They do belong in a museum. <laughs> She's the teacher. Miss Bowen says something like, "Some of the boys stole them and are using them as currency," <laughs> which such, is just a great line. Such a great line. <laughs> so then we go from there to Ted and Henry. They're having a uh, chat over video. Good to see Henry. He looks healthy. Looks like he's doing well. Mm -hmm. Then Rebecca comes in and reveals that she had a tryst, a fling 
a relationship with Sam. Yeah, and she just blurts this out, and then you hear uh, Henry, Henry on the other end. It's like, still here! I'm still on! And it was funny, too, because I was watching this scene, and I saw Ted Dutt push the keyboard right. and just slowly move it down. I'm right. like, Oh, what a what a continuity error because he didn't like press end or something right. like that. And of course, it wasn't a continuity error. Play. It became a play. That was good. And it's funny because he then closes it all the way, I think. And then at one point, he like opens it up <laughs> again just to check as they go further into the conversation. <laughs> yeah. This is the issue with technology today, Tom. Give me about 20 minutes. I'm going to go on a rant. So far, Actually, go. this doesn't make any sense because my story is from about 25 years ago. <laughs> one time I called my dad and was like leaving him a voicemail. And I did not get the phone all the way on the cradle. I think this was a wireless phone, like home phone going onto a cradle. Okay. And then my little brother did something that really made me mad. And so my dad got a voicemail of me like threatening <laughs> to send my little brother to an orphanage and my little brother like crying. And it was all on a voicemail on my dad's cell phone. And I got in a lot of trouble for it. And that's why I'm against recording devices. Please Thank tell me you Patriot Act. <laughs> Please tell me that exists somewhere. Did your dad save it? No, my dad doesn't save anything. I don't think technology was around to be able to save that. You'd still have to have a cassette. You would still have to have the cassette. That's <clears> right. <throat> and so Rebecca is explaining like the complications of her feelings for Sam. Mm -hmm. And this is once again classic Ted. He's like <laughs> coming in to help. He's like, How do I feel about this relationship? No, I feel good about it. Like I feel and she's like coming to him for some advice mm -hmm. he gives her the whole hey go with your heart go with your gut between mm -hmm. the two of them you'll like figure it out mm -hmm. and at one point she says something like oh our relationship is in limbo mm -hmm. and ted's line is limbo great party game horrible relationship status <laughs> classic ted what is limbo what's what's the game what is limbo yeah what's the party oh like just going on the, the bar stick? yeah oh. you go to the bar the person that goes the lowest wins oh my bad i guess Tom, I was... you seem like a limbo like champion so i'm very surprised that <laughs> you've never uh played limbo limbo is also somewhere where you go when they're deciding whether or not you go to heaven or hell that's probably the one that you that's, are thinking of that's how I got when you're in limbo up. and then you get sent to purgatory and then the ninth planet anyways <laughs> I'm sorry, the eighth planet. There's no longer nine. Yeah, it's just a rock. Sam and Rebecca is brought up, and Ted says something about favorite TV couples. Tom, I'm going to give credit where credit's due. Speaking of calling it. I believe I called this one. <laughs> no, 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 no. You called this one. I'll be Ted. I'll be Ted uh, Lasso level six. You called this one, Tom. As soon as this happened, I was like, Tom called this. Yeah. Tom, Tom literally said this. I must admit, so, like, the whole Sam and Diane You had already thing, seen this episode. No, no. Okay. I have not seen All this right. episode. So You're a murderer! <laughs> I feel like I've got a pretty solid pop culture knowledge, because that's seemingly all I've done in most of my life, is just consume media. That's why you're not learning about fungi or trees. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and bringing all this joy to the podcast audience. Um, Too busy I... learning dance numbers <laughs> in third grade, singing to women. All right, go ahead. Sorry, this, I'll this, stop interrupting. The Spice Girls dance was choreographed. Um, <laughs> But, uh, like, I knew the Sam and Diane reference from Cheers because I sure. think it's early Cheers. So when I started dig doing some digging because they were like, oh, Sam and Rebecca, that classic relationship. I was like, me and my wife looked at each other and were like, what is the Sam and Rebecca, like, TV relationship reference? And, of course, it is Cheers, but it's later Cheers. So what happens is it's Ted Danson's character, Sam, sure. and um, her name, what's her name? Shelley Long plays diane okay so like, that's the initial that's okay. the initial so the first three seasons they have this on again off again relationship and it goes back and forth for a while do you think that's what they mean by sam and diane on and on 
it's exactly on and on again relationship on and on on and on it goes it goes on and on as it goes on and off for sure it's crazy it's very meta um but so she leaves shelly long leaves after season three uh to try to pursue her movie career and then who comes in is christy alley christy alley comes in as rebecca and she oh, kind of plays like the new okay. love interest for Ted Danson's character, okay. Sam. So there's Sam and Diane, and there's Sam and Rebecca. Yeah. So later season cheers, Sam and Rebecca is the established relationship. Early season cheers, Sam and Diane. So of course I've been making this running gag throughout the whole thing, talk, constantly talking about Sam and Diane, never putting together the idea that Sam and Rebecca was a thing in Cheers. So I was so close to the reference. Oh. I'm sure. There's plenty of people listening to this that knew that Cheers reference and were yelling at us every time I mentioned it. I bet it's one of those things that like whittles its way into your brain and like you know it exists out there in the Mm -hmm. ether and so you can reference it, but you have no idea where you picked up that knowledge. Yeah. I know Christy Alley from Look Who's Talking. That's my that's my Christy Alley. Okay. I know Christy Alley from the commercials. (laughs) Which ones? The Christy Alley commercials where she's promoting Christy Alley. We get the listen to your gut and your heart speech. I which... want to say before we move on. Oh, I... yeah, no, no. Let's not move on. Go no, ahead. No, no, no. For the the gut and the heart. Sam and Rebecca. <laughs> I just really loved this quote, and I want to say it the way it was said in the show, where he says, like, because uh, he tells her, look at her, or look to your gut first. It's like, on your way down to your gut, check check with your heart, which I thought was really an interesting kind of sure. concept of, like, as you're getting down there, stop with your heart, see what your heart says, and they work in, in perfect harmony. And right. then, of course, we have the Bone Thugs and Harmony reference. He's like, two of the three Bone Hugs harmonize really well. Yeah, see, the only um, <laughs> reference I have to Bone Thugs and Harmony is at some point I inherited a North Carolina Tar Heels hat from my brother. Uh, <laughs> and he had, in calligraphy, written Bone Thugs and Harmony in the hat band, which neither he or I had any business wearing any of that stuff. But oh, man, I enjoyed their music back in the day. It is what it is. I didn't realize this until he talks about it, that this scene is a mirror of the Mm -hmm. penultimate episode from season one, where this is the moment she comes down and and tells him that she has been setting up to fail and Mm -hmm. he forgives her. And then she makes the comment, I'll see you like here next year. Yep. And so it sounds like we're getting to season three, Tom. (laughs) I think we're getting to season three. Do you think they're going to have this running bit like every season? I would assume so that they're going to just do garbage up until episode 11 <laughs> of season three and then give us some good stuff. No, that's unfair. There's been plenty of episodes I've liked during this season. But I did like there was something about this episode where like right off the bat, I was like, like, this is why I like this show. Yeah. Like, this is what I enjoy. Well, and like the drama that's, that's built in the show with like Sam and him having to make this decision and the way they set it up. Like, I don't think a lot of the groundwork they laid for like Sam and the um, what he did with like the protest. I thought that was a good idea, but they went so quickly in it and they forgot about it for a while. And now they're kind of coming back. But I, I love this episode because they deal with the drama very well, like Ted and Sharon and they're back and forth. But they still have the lighthearted, fun comedy and I think the writing is just on point with this one, too. Right. Which is interesting because the writer of this episode, I don't have the name off the top of my head, has not written any other Lasso oh, really? episodes. Okay. This is their solo one. What I thought as this um, as this scene was happening was the Lasso we love is the Lasso that, like, gives people advice. Mm-hmm. He, like, knows what's going on. He knows how to, like, get people to check in with, Hey, how do you feel? Like, 
you know, what does your heart say? Mm -hmm. Like, that's the lasso we love as opposed to the lasso who every episode has a panic attack yeah. and is like frazzled. And I understand he's not a he's not God, you know, he, he can't always be uh, all knowing. But in this scene, I was like, oh, man, it's good to have old lasso back. Yeah, no, couldn't agree more. And even though there are some scenes in this episode where like dealing with Dr. Sharon, he does get like frazzled but it's not i don't know it's it's just when he's giving advice when he's talking to people it felt like we got old ted back yeah i appreciate the advice too he's like all right listen to me don't listen to me <laughs> listen to yourself <laughs> that was <Yeah>. great. <clears throat> and so then we cut to nate and keely trying on suits well she's trying on i don't know other outfits he's trying on suits <laughs> it's truly a hideous suit uh, as soon as nate okay. was in it uh, maybe I just don't have the fashion eye, uh, the high fashion eye. I can go and tell you right now, you don't. Okay. But but I well, agree with hurts. you. This that is not. You are, you are no Jacques. I love Jacques. <laughs> Jaco? Jacques? I don't know. What was his name? I think she called him Jaco. Jaco, okay. Tom, thoughts on the crotch? <sighs> I mean, Give me your thoughts on the crotch. I prefer a tight crotch, if I'm being honest. Um, sometimes a loose, loose crotch can, you know, I don't know, kind of wears on you a little bit. As someone who went as Freddie Mercury for Halloween, <laughs> I know you enjoy a tight crotch, Tom. <laughs> I was there. I thought this bit was very funny and just how Nate played it, how uncomfortable he was. Like, looking he's around. gotta look around. This reminded me, I think I already brought it up, but of the Arrested Development episode where Job is wearing all of his dad's expensive suits. Mm -hmm. And he just a throwaway comment. He goes, I had to get the crotch taken in, <laughs> which is just like a great, I don't know, a great bit. The, the way they filmed it too, with like, they show like his, his rear and then uh, flanked on each side right. of it is both of them staring right. at his And they lower, yeah. like they lower to, to really get in on the crotch. <laughs> I don't have to bleep crotch, do I? No, crotch is at a part. Okay. It is a part, Tom. <laughs> Good job. Inner groin. Uh, I did laugh during that scene. It was funny. We then cut to Higgins' office. <laughs> Ted comes in and Higgins' like, oh no, are you also taking my office? <laughs> Which is great. We find out that Dr. Sharon has already left and this visibly upsets Ted. His hair is not disheveled, but no. he is definitely upset. He's getting there. And we find out that Higgins knows everyone's birthday. Yeah, because Ted comes in as like a, a foil. He's saying, oh, for Colin's birthday or whatever. And right, it's a ruse to get Sharon to go to her own going away party. They're mm -hmm. saying it's so-and-so's birthday. And Higgins is like, I know everyone's birthday. And the way they line it up is you think, oh, he knows everyone's birthday on the team. Yeah. But then Ted starts <laughs> asking. I think the first one he says is Liam Neeson. Yep. <laughs> It was weird. Like, I'm like, oh, okay, football, director of football operations. Sure. He knows all these guys' profiles. He knows them. But Sure. Uh, yeah, lo and behold, he knows everybody. The funny one was he named, like, three people that all are March 10th, and they were just the most random. It was Chuck Norris, Sharon Stone, and Osama Bin Laden. <laughs> what it was. He's like, March 10th, which I feel like a writer found that fact at one point, and they're like, how do I put this in an episode? But I also found it weird, like, then did Ted know that they were all on the 10th? Because why would Ted, Ted confirm that? Yeah, yeah. Ted knew. It was so weird. Yeah, it was great. But I guess it wouldn't. We wouldn't put it past Ted to just know an odd, random cultural fact right, like that. Right. that Although it does seem like more of a beard thing that Beard would know all these birthdays of famous people. Do you have any uh, famous people born on your birthday? I have no idea. Yeah. Well, I guess that would give away your birthday. I know you're that very would private. give away my birthday. Uh, but in my culture, we don't celebrate birthdays. <laughs> 
Michael Trebane. Every day is my birthday. Um, <laughs> turns out that Dr. Sharon already left, but she wrote everyone a letter, mm. and Ted doesn't want to read it. Nope. Upset. I did not get this. So Ted leaves. Uh, Higgins tries to give him the letter, mm -hmm. and Ted's like, no. And he pulls a Roy, Runs and he leaves the room. Mm -hmm. And the line is, don't let her get away with it, Ted. <laughs> I did not realize this was a pun. Oh, you didn't? I was like, why did Ted come back? Because he goes, yes. <laughs> and he comes back and he takes it. I was like, what? I literally had to Google this. <laughs> oh, really? And thank you, Reddit. Someone was like, it's a pun. Oh, I don't wish... let her. I wish you didn't Google it and we could have discovered that together here. Did you pick it up oh, right yeah. away? I got oh, it right away. Man, the master he puns. He kind of stays on letter and like we've been getting a lot more of this of Leslie like kind of doing these. Uh, uh, I'm with Rebecca. I call him Leslie. Um, Cesar, you later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like these puns back and it was it was a really good pun and Ted could not let it go. It was too good not to come back. To it care. was. I was like, why did he come back? Don't <laughs> let her get away with it. Because he didn't pause. He just said, don't let her get away with it. Well, people I, people on the internet, let her us know if you got that point or not. Ah, at what, Tom? What at, should they letter us at? Our Twitter handle at Team Binge or reach out to us via Gmail at Team Binge Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you. Cheap plug. Baby. Ed, Edwin and Seth. <laughs> Edwin and Sam are in a museum and they're looking at a very cool uh, painting by a Nigerian artist. Edwin is telling Sam that he wants to give back to the world. He's mm -hmm. like, I don't believe in billionaires, but I am one. Yes. So I'm going to break up my father's empire, give back to the world. And everyone knows that the best way to give back to the world by buying a soccer team <laughs> and collecting all the African players. It was a little bit weird, for sure. <laughs> he almost sounds a little bit like a Bond villain that doesn't realize he's a Bond villain. That's unfair. I'm sure all of his <laughs> motives are pure. Yeah. Um, but just some of the things he does here, kind of Bond villainy-ish, right? Yeah. Oh, yes, it is. We find out he bought the painting. Oh, no, he didn't just buy the painting. He bought the... He bought, well, did he buy the museum? Or he just, bought the museum. But did he buy out the museum for this, like, hour conversation? And no, then he bought actors? the museum. Okay. Can you buy museums? Is that a thing? You can buy anything, Tom. <laughs> yeah, Tom, Tom, this is America. You can buy anything. Uh, you can buy your freedom. <laughs> you can buy a jury. You can buy whatever you want, buddy. But isn't this in uh, England? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's written by Americans. <laughs> Same rules apply. Good point, though. But it is a weird thing where he says, like, I filled this thing with actors. And at first, unnecessary. I'm, I thought it was a joke. I thought I it was too. just, it was a billionaire just laughing joke. And then, but then Sam calls out to a guy and says, Oh, you were on this movie or show or something. And he waves back at him or something. Right. And the guy, like, bows to yeah. him. But if this was all just to get this Banksy reference where this old guy just kind of comes in and like passes Plutsy, by. Plus the old guy who drops the spray kit in his stencil yeah. on the ground. I tried to look it up. I was like, what are the chances Ted Lasso got the actual Banksy to appear in an episode? I was like, that would be worth it for the bit. Turns out people still don't know who Banksy is, which is a pretty incredible thing to do in 2021 with yeah. the Patriot Act and the NSA. Again, don't think Banksy is American. Oh. Could be wrong. Don't know. 
We all don't know. I would uh, give a cheap plug, not cheap plug, but I would give a plug to a documentary called Exit Through the Gift Shop. Okay. Which follows kind of like uh, some of the back end crew that helps like set up for Banksy. Okay. And they actually, I don't know if they actually have Banksy on there, but they show his work or how he's integrated. No one knows what he looks like well, and his identity is not. Well, if he's, I think he might be on there, but they, they're, they're blurring him or he's, you know, they voice modulate they him. He's voice. Yes. They do the Kermit voice. Um, <laughs> when I take out a stencil to write on a wall, I am Banksy. <laughs> is that what he says? That's, is that a direct quote? It's gotta be it. Uh, I watched it years ago, but I remember being very, very fascinated about that, that art scene and culture. I would recommend to give it a go. I'm with you. I was like, wait, did he really buy the museum? Are these really actors? Turns out, once again, like a Bond villain. This mm -hmm. is something a Bond villain would do. It would have... <laughs> oh, no. Excuse me. Oh, no. How's that bourbon, buddy? <laughs> it's, it's vodka. Um, it would have been funnier... It smells like water. <laughs> it would have been funnier when he said that. Everybody in the background stops moving. Right. I thought that was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Or that they were going to do a uh, flash mob, <laughs> like a flash mob dance. I was like, oh, that's pretty dope. All for Sam. <laughs> Very Sam and Rebecca, that's for sure. But they he, do get they do get this call, the callback here when he introduced himself to yep. Banksy or whatever. Um, uh, Edwin says, like, oh, you both met a cool person, which is the callback to what Ted did in the first season. Right. When they're in the restaurant mm -hmm. for the taxi guy at the Indian restaurant with Trent... And yeah, the waiter. I thought that was interesting. So did that, you just met a cool person. Is Did that start with Ted and expand out, do you think? I don't do know. You think, do you think Edwin Bakufu saw the first season of Ted Lasso and was like, oh, I really like that line, just like we did when we saw it. And we're like, oh, we're going to use that. Have do you, you think it's that Facebook? that I... it's, <laughs> it's not that, that meta. Oh, is that uh, not the way you use that term now? I think you nailed it. But uh, yeah, it is odd. I mean, it's it was a cool little like I guess callback, throwback, whatever you want to do. But like, it would be odd that this character and this and Ted would have that same exact verbiage or whatever. Sure. In this line, we then cut to Nate bursting forth from the <laughs> dressing room like a child expelled from the womb, mm -hmm. and, and full... he's dressed. All in black. Full villain attire. Full villain attire. But I guess, I don't know, uh, our boy Roy's all in That's black. what I thought. I was like, I think Nate is just trying to be Roy in this moment. That mm. was kind of where my... Although I don't know that he's picking any of these suits. Well, I but think like, Jocko's just giving him the suits. Well, and then Keeley called... Well, I don't know. Maybe it was Keeley. Because Keeley said, oh, you look dynamite or you look fantastic. Um, and obviously that's Keeley's look for Roy and what Roy wears. So maybe there's some bit there. We are going to really digest or digest, die, <laughs> I don't digest divest, this. digest, divest, <laughs> dive into dissect. dissect. That's where we went <laughs> this scene, because I had a lot of questions, Tom. I didn't like the scene at oh, all. Oh man. So Nate comes out, Keeley gets real close. She's like fixing his tie, which she did in the last episode. She fixed his tie at the funeral. Right. She is standing so close to him while fixing that tie. I my I was so uncomfortable because mm -hmm. I was like, show don't do this. Yeah. Show oh. don't do this. 100 percent I, I literally saying. I was like, show don't do this. I have nothing against Nate. I have nothing against Keely. I'm just like, don't add this drama in. Yeah. We don't need to. And part of me like, okay, so it leads to Nate kissing her, mm -hmm. which I guess he, the idea being he is mistaking her like kindness and affection for some sort of interest in him, mm -hmm. which 
I then just felt bad for Keely because Keely is clearly like a nice person. Mm-hmm. She wants to watch out for Nate. She's doing him a nice thing. Yeah. And like men do, <laughs> he is like, oh, she's attracted to me. Or, yeah. but she's also giving him the speech of, you just got to go for it. You just got to, we dream big. You yeah. got to go for it. <laughs> I I don't know. I did not like it. It no. made me cringe. No, hundred percent. Like when they were that close, I had the same sentiment you did. I'm like, don't do it, don't do it, Joe. And then once they did it, I'm like, I, I they didn't need to do it for Nate's character. Clearly, in my opinion, I think what they were just trying to do is they wanted to give Keeley something to tell Roy later, um, in, in that exchange. So then Keeley and Roy can have some tension. I feel like that was the reason for this scene, which I didn't like that they did that, but I feel like that's why. Well, we'll get into it when we get to that scene, but the thing that Roy is more upset about is, like, Nate kissing her, he almost kind of, like, laughs off. He's like, oh, that must have been awkward. But we needed... No, I agree. But then the thing that causes more drama is the Jamie thing. I almost think you could still have that same scene at the end of this episode without the Nate kiss and it just being, like... Roy talking about his discussion with the teacher and how mm-hmm. he didn't reveal that he's in a long-term relationship. And then Keely talking about, Hey, I didn't tell you what Jamie told me at the funeral. I feel like you could still get that I without don't, this. I don't disagree, but I think what they were trying to do in that later scene was like, build it up to that. Jamie saying, right. I love you. I think they wanted to start out with something that was almost comedic and Roy would see it as comedic, sure. like not threatened or anything by it. And then Roy saying something that kind of ups the level a little bit by saying, I, you know, I've been there for three hours and didn't say, you know, I was dating you or ever. And then it gets to her kind of bombshell, if you will. But again, we'll get to their reactions a little bit later. But I felt that's was kind of the reason for the sequence. I just I don't know. I didn't know what was happening here. Immediately, Nate feels like self-conscious. He goes back into the oh, and, and during this conversation before they kiss. He's like, don't you ever want to be the boss? Hmm. Um, which is like the third time he asked it. And I think if you ask it three times, the candy man comes and kills you. Unless times. you spit on the mirror, which they did again. And I do not understand the spitting of the mirror thing. Like, I think we're supposed we're we're told that it's like him being assertive or him being, I don't know, a big boy. Or maybe that's what he does when he sexually assaults a woman. No. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Here's my thought. The other time he does it is he is in that restroom and he's going to go ask for the table. And my thought is it is now like he is spitting on himself because he's like, you're a coward. You shouldn't be a coward. It's almost like disdain because this happens after he realizes he has made a mistake and gone too far. And then he spits on himself. So I don't think anymore that it is a confidence builder. I think it is more like you're despicable. Look how gray your hair is becoming. (laughs) I guess I never thought about that. Even in the initial sequence where we got him spitting in the mirror, I never got it. That was after he was too much of a coward. I don't know. I mean, that's not the right term. But he realized he was not assertive enough Mm -hmm. to ask for the table. They got sent to the back table. He spits on himself in the mirror and then he's like, all right, no longer a coward. I'm going to go yell at the hostess and then kiss her on the mouth. I guess I I can't stop kissing people (laughs) on the mouth. Apparently, I guess I was just too dumb to put that or or make that connection that way. Tom, how dare you? You, (laughs) sir, are very smart. Don't you you dare say that. Sorry. 
I guess I wasn't wise enough to make the connection that when he was spitting in a mirror, he's spitting on himself. I just thought it was just like a power move or something. Because again, we did it when Rebecca did her power move or whatever, looking at herself in a mirror and being all powerful and being this big growl. Instead, he does the exact opposite. He's not being powerful. He's telling his reflection, you're not assertive enough. You're a quote unquote coward. Or right. This is a audio medium. So I'm just going to let everyone know <laughs> while Tom did that, he had his arms up like a bear, yeah. like Rebecca. <laughs> Uh, through that whole spiel. So <laughs> you're welcome for YouTube taking us off the internet. <laughs> we then cut back to Roy and sweet, sweet Mrs. <laughs> Bowen, our famous favorite Irishman, uh, other than obviously the Martin Scorsese eight-hour film, The Irishman. Um, Irish, she's an Irish woman. Oh, I'm sorry, Irish woman. <clears throat> Can you give us a little Irish accent? Uh, boyo. <laughs> I don't know. Is that a thing? Sure. Did I do it? Love it. Uh, we find out that she's mean, but she's the good teacher. And I think we all can relate to having this type of teacher. Yeah. There was always a teacher that was like really good, but also like pushed you mm -hmm. and you appreciated later in life. I mean, if you were super wise like I was, I appreciated them at the time and I appreciate them now as well. But that's just a little bit about me. <laughs> Roy's like, why are there pictures crap in yours art? Which is such a great thing to say about children's art. Yeah, and, and he had to confirm, like, you guys are in the same grade? Are they younger? Right. No, the same age. And she just, she pulls the art away from them before they destroy it. Right, right. Which, if you look into the other room, it's funny, because they're all just smeared, just nuts, crazy. Right. So, I've got a note here that says, Mrs. Bowen is very charming. <laughs> I don't know if I've expressed this enough during this is it her or is it her accent i feel like you're taken by her accent no i think it's column a and column b okay and i can see why roy is quickly falling in love with her do you think he is like no do i don't know he didn't show like and this was i guess part of i don't feel like roy is showing a lot of interest here like mm -hmm. later on he's like oh we talked for three hours and i didn't mention that i was in a relationship mm -hmm. but like at no point during this, he's kind of distant. He's like on his phone. Yeah. He's like, now nah, I've got time to help. And she's like, well, you can like, so I, I didn't feel like Roy really did anything wrong here. I almost felt like, well, we'll get into it when we get into that. I almost felt like this was going to lead to Roy proposing to Keeley, mm -hmm. but I can touch on that when we get to that scene. Okay. Cause I don't feel like he like overly, he wasn't like, I didn't feel like he was flirting with her. Like, no, I don't think so either. But again, we don't. I mean, Roy's obviously a very interesting, like level-headed sure. kind of character. So maybe this is kind of his form of flirting, just staying in the presence and helping somebody. Um, could be. I don't. I don't know. But again, I did. I wish he would flirt with me then. <laughs> with those eyebrows, man. Those eyebrows. She makes the comment. She's like, "Oh, I've got to ward off all the single dads and the not so single dads." <laughs> Which uh, my heart just broke for. Like, it just you just feel bad for uh that situation that yeah. people are scumbags but um and you think that's her is that her fishing for seeing if roy is single no i think that's just her making she a makes general... a look she makes a look when he says like uh oh are you married and roy says no she's like kind of squaring oh, that up her papers 100% is yes yes okay. that was her fishing to find out whether or not roy was in a relationship yeah, okay. which 
he does say no i'm not married but gives no follow-up mm-hmm. i think the appropriate thing in this situation is no but i'm in a loving relationship uh with i don't know and we live together despite what the good book says mm-hmm. <laughs> roy then buys all of phoebe's art and takes it with him <laughs> okay. throws some cash on the ground takes the stack <laughs> i just want to put a pin in this because i think it's important that this conversation comes back when roy and keely discuss it during their photo shoot now we have two pins right now i don't remember either <laughs> okay but that may be the booze i think the first one was about edwin Okufu. i don't know what it was but it's something about edwin okay Security details. The other one is about marriage and the good book. Okay, two pins. Ted and Dr. Sharon. Ted is outside of her. Well, well, well. Look what the weird flag rolled in. (laughs) I love that line. (laughs) I love that line so much. I loved his delivery. I love the way he said it. He's so mad, too. Oh, yeah. So mad. He's like, I got to go to the bathroom, but I'm going to wait here a little bit longer. This was great. Uh And we discuss, obviously, Ted's, like, issues with abandonment. He's like, my wife left me. My dad left me. Um, They go into all this. And I just thought, like, it is a little bit weird that she would just bounce. It is. I think, like, she mentions that she's not good with goodbyes. She she would prefer to write it rather than, like, say it. And I and that's a fair thing. Yes. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I I interrupted. No, I think that's very, it's a, it's a fair assessment. And some people are like that because it is tough, especially when, with, I don't know, it's tough because ultimately Ted, they, Ted and Dr. Sharon have created a relationship, but they are still, it's still business. And like, she is still a a client of his kind of a thing. So it's kind of tough to maybe draw that difference. So um she just kind of maybe just wanted to kind of get out but i do think it was odd and i understand ted being very upset with this because if like he mentions if anybody should know uh that i have abandonment issues it's you because right. we've, we've dove in and talked about all this right and so they then go up there is a funny bit where he's like you're right it is easier to navigate the hallway with the bike folded like they must have had a discussion I love well, when no, because that was that. that was the past episode. He was taken up when she had her concussion. He was taken up like the broken bike or whatever up into her flat. Right. So that's why he says like because he couldn't fold it at the time, but he oh, could now. Oh, so okay. Like, it is much easier. I love when shows do that. <laughs> yeah. When shows don't explain things, but your friend explains <laughs> it on a podcast for you. But um, they have a discussion, and she brings up like what he's done for her yeah because dr sharon says like you listen you help me become a better therapist i realize i need to open up to my clients to be able to um you know have better sessions and all that kind of stuff yeah like being vulnerable with them Mm -hmm. allows them to be vulnerable with me and her response is saying like which is something because i was already effing brilliant (laughs) (laughs) yes and ted gives this look like okay yeah that's a lot of confidence that's good (laughs) And Ted like keeps complaining about things, and she's like, "It's in the letter. It's all the Just read the letter." Mm-hmm. And I have, I have a mother who also does this. She feels like it, like she does a much better job communicating something in writing mm-hmm. than like verbally. So throughout my life, there have been times where like letters have just been left to me, and I'm always like. Uh, I don't want to read this because <laughs> it's, a lot it's typically reading. something. Yeah. It's not that it's a lot of reading, Tom. I don't <laughs> mind reading. That, okay. It's simply that it's on a normally a serious topic. Yeah. And so, um, my thing that I actually regret is that I I don't think I've kept all those letters. Mm-hmm. I wish that now that I'm older, I wish I would have kept some nuggets of wisdom. Most there, of sure. them. Oh yeah, most certainly. Like after I got married, they left me like a letter mm-hmm. from both my parents with like I. 
want to say I if I didn't keep that, then I'm an idiot. Yeah. And we've gotten letters that say this podcast should be more written and less about us talking. Oh, really? Yeah. No, I was making a joke that we're bad at podcasting and that people want us to write. No one would ever write that. <laughs> we could cut that. We're My not bad fa- podcasters. We're, we're the not, best. We are. We're effing brilliant. <laughs> I do appreciate. So he's like, fine, I'll read the letter. And then his immediate thing, he says, well, you spelled favorite wrong. <laughs> Did you get that at first? No. Because, like, favorite in, like, British, they do the D-O-U uh, in favorite. <laughs> as opposed to just F-A-R-O-R. she just misspelled it. Nope. <laughs> she just spelled it, like, in the English version of favorite. I did not realize that. That's great. Good for you. <laughs> and what I think this show has done, and we've made this comment, and it doesn't feel like we've made this comment over the last previous episodes, mm-hmm. but certainly in, like, season one, is there is a silence that happens here mm. between two good actors, Dr. Sharon and Ted. Mm-hmm. He's reading this, and I do appreciate that like he doesn't read it out loud. Yeah. Like we don't know what's in the letter. We don't need to know. But from mm-hmm. his acting, mm-hmm. her like almost uncomfortable, like, oh, I can't stand when people read what I wrote in yeah. front of me. Oh yeah. Oh, it's just makes my skin crawl. But she does this thing where like at one point she like Once it gets on a little bit too long, she like grabs her collar Mm -hmm. and kind of, but they both just do a great job during this whole scene. And you can clearly see that the letter is having an effect on Ted. Yeah. And like, like even like just Ted's eyebrows, like he's just very subtle, like kind of like grimaces and stuff like it's, it's really good. And it, it got to him and he, he's kind of like choking up and saying, it's a good letter. It's a good letter. letter. (laughs) Pretty good letter. So then they decide to go get a drink. Mm -hmm. Then we are with Sam and Edwin. They are eating. And we find out that, much like the museum, Edwin, I don't know, bought the restaurant, brought in his own chefs. He's like, ah, it's tough to get West African food here in London. I feel like this was a little bit more, like, believable, though. Oh, yeah. He's trying to woo Sam. So he's, like, bringing in, like, an authentic uh, West African chef uh, to kind of make all this. But again, still saying, oh, is everybody in the restaurant here, you know, actors? Like, no, they're friends. No, they're friends. Like. Are they friends? I, I don't do know. Do billionaires have weird. friends or do all your friends just work for you at, at a certain them. point? Yeah. Yeah. So we then find out that he he wants him to play for the Moroccan team. And mm-hmm. the Moroccan team is called... Uh, is it Raja Casablanca? Raja Casablanca. And he says this, and I think this is super important, Tom. Mm-hmm. He says, you are the fourth person to know this. Yeah. So Sam knows... Who do we think the other people are, Tom? Do you think we know who those people are? I think we do, but I want to give you credit for this because I did not pick this up in either of my watches until I saw you notate this in the outline. So deliver it to us. Okay. I think it's George W. Bush. (laughs) I think it's Al Gore. And if he's still alive, Ross Perot. I believe it's those three local (laughs) businessmen. I must have misread the outline. Okay. Because I thought you said Nate Rupert. Oh, yeah, yeah, Nate <laughs> Rupert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those were the other ones. That makes more sense. Right, right, right. They, they were uh, 4A and 4B. But, like, I, I, I did not put this together. I thought this was just a means to try to, like, um, you know, play around with Sam and Rebecca's relationship and let uh, Sam make this decision about what he's going to do. But it is so clearly being set up that Nate and Rupert, like, Rupert's going to, well, I mean, I don't know how clearly, but like you only have the two other main it's characters. It's weird to be like four people know. Yes. I'm assuming he's one of them, right? Yeah. So then that would leave Sam and two others. 
or is there someone else in there? Well, so wait, okay. So he's saying four four he, people know this. He's telling Sam he will be the fourth? I think so, yes. Yes. So okay, so he already knows, and I'm assuming he's been working with Rupert because Rupert obviously has a background in a, like owning team a ownership. team and that okay. kind of stuff. And he knows rich people. Yes. Right? All Ru rich people know all rich all people. All rich people know all rich people. Yep. The Trillium Oil guy, Rupert, <laughs> George W. Bush, Al Gore. <laughs> Ross Perot, all those guys know each other. Um, but yeah, I feel like it has to be. So I think what we're, and I, if that is true, I feel like Sam almost has to accept this offer, right? So we're going to have Sam going and playing on this team. So it's not oh, just Nate. I didn't go that, I didn't go that far. Because I feel like you had mentioned, like if Nate just goes and coaches another team, like what are you going to do? Are you going to go back to Nate? Like we don't want to watch just Nate deal with coaching other team. That's not enough. Like sure. you have to probably bring more of the cast over with him. So, and introducing Edwin as a character, which I think he's a really, really cool character. Um, I, I kind of feel like that's what they're going to see in the finale is Sam, you know, begrudgingly taking it because of the opportunity. Okay. Well, let's put a third pin in this because where Nate is going and what he's doing at the end of this episode, I thought was interesting Okay, because I don't know that it's that clear cut that Nate is going to Raja Casablanca. Okay. Um, but we do get, I want to make a mention here before we go on. Uh, Edwin kind of makes a comment about, he's like, listen, I want to make this new team. The biggest club one in the world. One of the world. best, yeah. The best so he names world. all the best ones. Bayern. Yeah. United. PSG. Phoenix Rising. No. Barcelona. Okay. We are missing Chelsea. How does he not mention Chelsea Football Club? Come on. So is Chelsea as big as... I thought Bayern was an aspirin company. <laughs> Bayern Munich is a famous German team. You're German. You should know this. Okay. They play in the Bundesliga. Uh, United is the reference to Manchester United. They are... I'm sorry. Record scratch. <laughs> they play in the what? Liga? The Bundesliga? Very good. You pronounced it's that well. The Bundesliga? Bundesliga? Das Bundesliga? <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're welcome. That was great. Uh, but Manchester United, they, they are, even though they may not necessarily be the best team in the world, they are uh, commercially one of the most like profitable teams. Because they've got the all that aspirin money. They do. No, no, no. That's not Bayern. This is okay. Manchester United. Okay. Uh, PSG is Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, they're a French uh, team who Lionel Messi currently plays for. And Barcelona was Lionel Messi's previous team who plays in Spain. Um, Why don't they have... Oh, they do have Manchester United on there. It's just you have it under United. Well, that's what he says. Okay. Like, when you, if you're a footballer or a football fan, you hear United, you think Manchester. United. See, I think United. I think of the United States of America, baby. Mm, wow. USA. Anyways, he is putting together a team, and he says in the next twenty years, an Africa team, African team will win the title. Mm -hmm. Well, he said he says African like uh, to win the World Cup. Oh, not okay. necessarily a title. Okay. He's saying like there's going to be so much more African talent now that they'll be able to win a World Cup. Because they would play in other teams, but then for the World Cup, they all come back and you play from your, your country of origin, right? Isn't that how the World Cup works? Well, no, yeah, the World Cup, you play for your country. But, I mean, there's a lot of incredibly talented and famous African uh, footballers and stuff. But, like, I think generally 
they have there's a lot of, of African talent, but like a lot of uh, like even the United States, we have some talented soccer players, but they, when they come together and play as a team, they're not necessarily that great. Mm. So getting like a, a group of like minded uh, African players to play together likely will result in better um, uh, World Cup play. Is Raja Casablanca an actual team? I don't know. Let's look it up. All right. Raja Club Athletic is Raja Casablanca, which is a Moroccan football club. Oh, okay. So it is based off of a real team. Here's looking at you, kid. That's all <laughs> I know about Casablanca. <laughs> then we are at the photo shoot. Roy and Keeley are having a lovely moment. I think this is the point where... Oh, no. She's getting... Is this where she's getting like ready for it, and she's having like a she's having some moment nerves. of crisis? Yeah, for, for sure. And Roy's like, "You've done thousands of photo shoots. Yeah, what's the big deal?" And I think it's important here that like she is recognizing that hey, those were just like about looks and like modeling. This mm -hmm. is about who I am as a person. Yeah. I have to do an interview. Like I thought that was an interesting take on mm -hmm. um, on this, and she is like showing a lot of vulnerability here, and I felt like Roy who is not typically a normal, like, warm and fuzzy person, comes over, gets down on a knee, mm -hmm. and is like, hey, I hope they see you for who you are because you are wonderful. Yeah. And he's, like, super supportive. This is one... Th I thought he was going to propose. Really? I did. Mm -hmm. You didn't get that thought at all? No, I didn't get that sentiment. Like, I, I just feel like that this may not have been the best time to propose because then like, she's obviously in an emotional state right now, just trying to deal with this photo shoot in the interview, like proposing while they have all these people in the house and down there might not have been the best moment. Okay. There's never a bad moment to propose. You can propose Fair. at a funeral. Well. You can propose, uh, during a public bus stop. Well. You can propose at a gas station. Pam yeah. and Jim, Sam and Diane of our, of our time. Um, here's what I'm going to say. Okay, maybe it's just the acting. Maybe it's how it was cut. So when the when Mrs. Bowen says, are you married? Mm -hmm. And he says no. And there's like, he like kind of stares mm. off into the middle distance. And he's like, and I thought to myself, at that time, the first watch, I did not think, oh, he should add more to that. Mm -hmm. What I thought is Roy is thinking, why aren't I married or mm -hmm. why like haven't I taken that next step with Keely mm -hmm. so that's why when this scene came around I was almost like oh he's like thinking about it now mm -hmm. he's like oh people ask me if I'm married I say no but me and Keely are committed to each other why don't I like yeah. take that next step no yeah let's, does that make sense yeah, yeah. let's let's pull that pin off the wall because you nailed it I okay think I think you're right I think okay. it's a very it's a very pin, not a nail Tom touche um, I touche is French for uh, a fencing move. Go ahead. Okay, Perry. Touch. Um, no, into. Um, <laughs> we got there. Um, I so throughout this whole episode, I thought they were kind of like playing around with like the kiss and like all this stuff. I thought it was like almost like a MacGuffin where they weren't gonna address it, and it was all just a means for like to have the audience think there's going to be a, like a, a strain a in a relationship, yeah. but then ultimately everything was going to be good. Sure. I'm with you like that. I feel like that's a, it's a good take that maybe that's what they're doing with this episode. They're trying to make it seem like there's going to be a big thing, but maybe when Jamie gets kind of, or, or excuse me, Roy gets upset here at the end about her confession with Jamie, that's it's, it's his anger that again, I don't know if his anger is, is addressed at Keely or if it's at Jamie or a little combination of both, but maybe that's him kind of like, they almost being angry at himself. Like, 
I, I, I need to, you know, plant these roots. I need to confess my love and commit to this woman. So they have that moment where, you know, Roy gives her the pep talk. Everything's going well. Uh, They start the photo shoot. And I think this is where they're like flashing between the photo shoot and Sam in the park walking, like Mm -hmm. talking to his dad, super excited. Ted and Sharon are at the pub having a pint. They seem to be having a good time. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know what music is playing, but (laughs) it's obviously a Bill Lawrence special where the music (laughs) makes everyone feel good. And then we are at the photo shoot and they're like sitting on the couch. Keely and Roy are. And this is where Keeley tells Roy, hey, misunderstanding during the suit try-on, mm-hmm. Nate kissed me. And Roy's like, well, that must have been awkward. Like, mm-hmm. he doesn't get upset about that. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then Roy's like, well, I had a conversation with Phoebe's teacher for three hours. She asked me if I was married, and I just said I wasn't. Can I say one thing here, too? So yeah, when when Keeley says... You can say dozens of things, Tom. Awesome. I'll just say two. When Keeley says... Um... <laughs> Sorry. Maybe... Two. Take two. Um, when Keeley uh, says her line, Roy says, like, hey, thanks for telling me. Right. When Roy says the line to Keeley, Keeley is just quiet. And I don't, like... It, it, I don't know if it's the show trying to tell us, like, Cause she doesn't reciprocate and say like, Hey, thank you for telling me that. I don't know how like her level of anger at that, or if it's just more of her thinking like he's opening up to me about this. I'm not maybe too upset about this, but now I need to let him know about Jamie. I, I don't know. Did you get that sense that she was maybe not as receptive to his? I didn't think it was um, res- her lack of reception. And maybe this is me just projecting because I've never been proposed to before. <laughs> But I thought it was almost like a weighted silence of Roy is now going to propose. Like he's like, hey, I was asked if I was married. I said no. Mm. I want to correct that. Will you marry me? Like that's what I thought was going to happen in this scene. During the photo shoot? Every scene someone was together, I expect her to proposal. Mm. Because that is the romantic I am, Tom. (laughs) And I've never been proposed to. So... Keely then goes into, A, at the funeral, mm-hmm. uh, the most romantic time. <laughs> Jamie told me he still loves me. What What is your take from Roy? Do you feel Roy is upset at Keely, at Jamie, at, at himself? I think he's just upset. He's probably, I mean, does a great job here because he looks like his head's going to pop. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's holding could, his breath. You could hear it, on his like, head. And I just thought that poor photographer is going to have to do something <laughs> with these two photos. They look like Adam's family. They're just <laughs> like... They look like that classic gothic painting yes. of like the farmer and the woman. They're just like so stern. Yep. I was like, I'm sure Vanity Fair will be able to dress that up. <laughs> but I, I, I wasn't. He doesn't get mad at Nate. Like, and no. I don't know if it's just because he doesn't see Nate as a threat. Yeah. Um. And I don't know. I don't know. In my mind, someone kissing your significant other or someone telling your significant other that they still love you. I almost feel like the kiss is a more aggressive uh, and something I would probably get uh, upset about. Well, but like Roy knows that Keely has a past with, with Jamie. With Jamie yeah. And they were together for a long time. I think we realized that 
that wasn't necessarily the match made in heaven. Keeley needs somebody more like Roy, at least that's what the show has told us. Um, but clearly there's probably still a physical attraction for sure, sure. still there. Do you think it changes everything if Keeley was there to witness Jamie's bye-bye-bye dance? Oh, there's no doubt. If Roy witnesses it, which he did, oh, he that... knows Jamie's a threat. Oh, yeah. At that point, Roy just bows out and says, hey, man, I saw the dance. She's right. all yours. Roy tries to do it, and he's like, oh, oi, my knee. That was my that was my British accent. Oi, my knee. Yeah, no, there's a lot going on here, and they do it really well. Both mm-hmm. both Keeley and Roy, the actors, do a great job. Um, and so I don't mind the ambiguity. Like, mm-hmm. I don't mind trying to figure out, hey, who's feeling what right now? Yeah. Because what I do know is things are going well. Yeah. Um, and so... But that's where, like, we get back to, this is the drama I like and appreciate, which I think they did a better job in season one than they have done most of season two. Right. Where they kind of, like, I still like the drama comedy uh, angle because it's a lot of fun to, like, juxtapose both of those, but this is, this is, I think, more entertaining drama. And I think one of my pins was, I still think we could have gotten here without Nate kissing Keeley. Yeah. That just made me cringe, but... I understand what you made comment of is, hey, it's kind of like a stepping of Mm -hmm. Nate leads to like the thing with Nate leads to Keely revealing or Roy sharing this and then Keely sharing this. Mm -hmm. So I understand where they got. Then we're at the pub with Dr. Sharon and Ted. And they're having a nice time. Mm -hmm. Ted excuses himself to go to the loo. (laughs) He can't go to the loo with it. Without making, I love that he's like it's my favorite British word, and of course my favorite Diamond Phillips. <laughs> favorite Diamond Phillips can't le- go to the loo without making several puns about the term loo. The pub gang shows up, Paul, Baz, and Jeremy. Nailed it. I got there, and they treat her like a sorceress. <laughs> In fact, one of them calls her a sorceress. Yep. And they're like, "So you're the team therapist?" <laughs> and you think they're going to start asking about like team stuff mm-hmm. or like issues, but instead it's like, "Hey, interpret this dream for yeah. me." Paul needs to know. He's been seeing snakes in his garden. <laughs> what do they mean? That was great. I just want to feel safe while I'm picking my tomatoes. <laughs> so good. And then I thought this was I don't know. I liked it. It was clever. It was fun. But Ted does not return from the loo. He escapes with a note. I guess in order to save her from having to say goodbye, because she said she's bad at goodbyes. Yeah, at first I thought this was like Ted kind of not being a jerk, but just getting kind of, back at her. Yeah, getting back at her. But I, I agree. I think this is more like Ted understands how uh, she's nervous bad with to goodbyes. kind of make her sure. or whatever. So he's doing this almost as a favor to her. And the way she sees it, like, oh, man, he took my, he he took took my, my move. Yeah, yeah. Which, was, which was good. But so then, then she picks up her drink. The publican brings over the the pint, and the pint's got a toy soldier in the mm-hmm. bottom. And she kind of, and obviously, us as the audience, we clearly know what that that is and the, and what that means. But she kind of holds it up and looks at it, and like seemingly has an inquisitive look on her face. Does she have any idea what this is or what the gesture means? I don't think so. I also think it's probably just surprising when you think you're getting a pint of beer <laughs> and there is a toy so- soldier in it. Yeah. So. I would hope he will explain it to her at some point, since they will only be living an hour away from one another, which is a 30-minute train ride for both of them. (laughs) But I don't know. I I had kind of the same thought. But once again, like, the soldier is him, like, 
trying to help people mm-hmm. or like passing that on to them. So yeah. I did like how they brought that back because I don't think we've seen any toy soldiers this season. I think it started the season because Jamie wanted to come back. So he brought the soldier okay. to, to Chad. So, okay. Yeah. That seems like so long ago. <laughs> it does, man. It's been a long season. So. And well, like, we, I mean, I don't think we mentioned it, but first season, I think everything was a pretty tight 30 minutes. Oh. This season has been oh. <laughs> so, 45 minutes. <laughs> so it's been 45 minutes, as you see in the podcast length that we record this, because since we're going kind of scene by scene, these later podcasts are a little bit longer because the show is longer. and We got more content to get through. Ooh. And and to your point, some of them have been a bit of a drag. This one, <sighs> I would say, not at all. This one oh, yeah, no, this one. is great. <clears throat> then we're back at Rebecca and Sam. Oh, because Rebecca is outside of his house how as long he do people, shows up. How long do people wait outside people's houses? Ted was doing it. Days. Rebecca's doing days. it. Here's what I love about this. <laughs> and this is something I've talked about in terms of people being like, oh, let's go get a drink. We order a drink. We say like two lines. I've got to go. And they like <laughs> leave that drink and go. Sam shows up. Rebecca's outside her house. She's like, hey, I can't tell you not to go. Mm-hmm. Like, it's unfair of me. I can't tell you where our relationship is going to go. But I want you to know I would. I don't want you to leave. Yeah. Like, from a personal standpoint, I don't want you to leave. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, I've got to go. <laughs> I'm like, wait, no, no, no. You guys, you guys can communicate. Like, you don't have to leave. There's no ticking time bomb. Like, the world's not going to end. Like, stay there and talk this out. Like, uh, one of the things about relationships is communicating. That's what the dude that married us said. Apparently, the Titanic sank because we didn't communicate. Or they, because they didn't communicate. You were there, Tom. I was. Um, you were there in that courthouse. I was not judge. That guy was great. He took pictures for us during the ceremony. He did. Anyways, she's like, she says, like, three things. And then she's like, I've got to go. And I was like, all right, thank you, TV trope. I, Just hang out and talk, you two. I'm with you. It's definitely TV tropish. But, I mean, couldn't you argue this is kind of, sort of, what Dr. Sharon was doing? Like, Dr. Sharon didn't want to have a back-and-forth conversation. Dr. Sharon just wanted Ted to know what she was feeling, what the impact that Ted had on her and her career and her life and that friendship. I almost kind of feel loosely this is what's doing. Like, Rebecca just wants Sam to know where she is right now and where she's coming from, but she doesn't want to like push Sam into trying to make a decision right now. She wants to put the information in front of Sam and give Sam that time to contemplate. Allow me to devil's advocate. Please. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Allow me to God's advocate. <laughs> okay. So this is how this conversation goes. Rebecca says, Hey, I know I can't tell you to stay. I know that I can't tell you where a relationship is going. But in my heart and in my gut, I don't want you to go. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, how was your day with Edwin? <laughs> what did you guys do? Oh, Edwin took me here. He took me here. Oh, he's buying Raja uh, Casablanca. I got there. Um, I'm thinking about going. Why are you thinking about going? Well, I think it would be an opportunity. I really love my <laughs> culture. I miss home. I think that would be great. Oh, well. I'll buy a museum, and then you can stay here. If I may, may I Jesus' advocate? Yes, Jesus' okay. advocate. I will Jesus' advocate and say, that's not good TV. <laughs> that's not fun TV. It we want be- that drama. We want that cliffhanger on the penultimate episode <sighs> to get us to the finale. That's fair. I'm just saying what humans should do is communicate. Maybe. I don't want this episode to be any longer than the 44 minutes it was, <laughs> so I don't need that dialogue. 
But I do appreciate, you're right. For good TV, they do need to leave us with that. You say that's what humans do. Do we know they're human? Sam is an uh, abnormally talented soccer player. That's fair. Uh, She's a great singer. She's a great singer. Could be robots. I don't know. Are we in Westworld? We don't know. Oh, Tom. (laughs) I know we're not in Westworld because Westworld's HBO and this is Apple TV and Apple TV would never do that to us. Mm, Touche. And most of what Apple TV puts out sucks. (laughs) All right. So then we get a text to Ted. He's back at his flat. He's back at his flat. Mm-hmm. They do a funny cut here where I was like, wait, whose flat are we in? And then Ted enters the room. Mm-hmm. Love how a show does that. I'm always surprised who's in the room. <laughs> and Trent Krim. Oh, I love Trent Krim. Mm-hmm. Even when he's Trent not Krim. there, he's just like in a text. But you oh, just picture so good. Him. I hope the actor got paid. <laughs> they were like, hey, I'm going to bring you in. All you have to do is text on this phone. <laughs> we find out that Trent Krim wrote an article revealing that Coach Lasso suffered a panic attack mm-hmm. during the game against, was it Man U? What was it? I don't Man, know who it was Man against. City, Man I think, City, I Okay, and Nate was the source. Mm-hmm. He says, hey, as a journalist, I had to write this. By the way, um, I have enough respect for you, Ted. I'm going to let you know my, my source, source was Nate. Nate your mm-hmm. assistant coach. Yeah. And, and then the great follow-up. There's a beat. He's like, you care to comment? Care to comment? <laughs> what a great journalist. And Ted starts typing, and you're like, oh, no, is Ted going to like go on this angry feud? But nope, Ted's just no, no comment. comment, and then it kind of cuts away. Um, and obviously, again, Trent, consummate professional with so this. So good. Did you see in uh, Ted's phone what the contact name was for Trent? No. It literally says, maybe, semicolon, Trent Krim. <laughs> because he probably always <laughs> introduces himself as Trent Krim from The Independent. <laughs> So Ted is it maybe Trent Krim. Well, that's what the that's what the iPhone does. So if if you don't put a contact in, the iPhone will guess based on all the data it's dragging from your emails and text messages and listening to your voice conversations. Oh, it gives you a maybe this is so and so. I thought it was like a clever thing that Ted put on his phone, not Apple telling me how awesome Apple is with all of our data. My friend Android over here. That's (laughs) Apple trying to the robots trying to make connections. Oh man, I thought it was clever. And Ted's sad. Ted is sad, and he just kind of pushes away from the uh, the cut, and then we cut to black. Uh, and I, we have Karma, Police by Radiohead playing. Yeah. Let me push. ask you this, before you're going to go off on whatever tangent you're going to go off on, them knowing Ted is having a panic attack as a, a, instead of Ted having a stomach flu, mm-hmm. like, what does this do in terms of... Because here's one of my pins, is my pin is that Nate, release this to the press mm-hmm. hey ted didn't have a stomach flu he had a panic attack and so my thought being nate's setup here is get rid of ted i become the manager of uh richmond mm-hmm. that was my that's what's happening here right because that throws a wrench in the cog of the wheel of the raja casablanca opportunity mm-hmm. for nate does that make sense? No, yeah, that makes a lot of sense because, like, unless Nate knew about this opportunity well in advance, Nate would be trying. If he wants to be the boss, he would be trying to be the boss in the club he's at now, right? Not necessarily, and that's why he club. would throw Ted under the bus mm-hmm. so that Ted gets fired, even though Nate clearly doesn't understand any of these relationships. 
because Rebecca's not going to fire yeah. Ted over a panic attack. What's the timing though? Because well, and obviously we have the um, the Rupert and or excuse me, Rupee. We have Rupee and Nate having that oh, conversation Rupee. at the funeral. Uh, so we know there's some conniving there, and obviously he wouldn't be able to take over AFC Richmond if he's doing something with Rupert. I mean, the timing's simple. and doesn't need any uh, research or a pause to find out what's going on. So panic attack, and attack happens at the Tottenham game, okay. which is episode six of season two. Mm -hmm. This is where he has the panic attack. We pretend it's a stomach ache. And then in the end of episode seven, mm -hmm. which is where Trent asked for the quote. Okay. And then it's not revealed to Nate that Ted had a panic attack until episode eight, okay. which is the one where he starts like on and off again therapy. Mm -hmm. And that's where they're playing Man City. Because right before they play Man City, they're in the huddle. They're in the huddle and Ted's okay. like, hey, I have something to admit. It wasn't a stomach bug. It was a panic attack. Okay. And so that's when Nate at the earliest would have known that it was a panic attack and not a stomach bug. Yeah, but I hear it because that doesn't it doesn't make sense. But we we've kind of established that Nate's like oblivious to certain things. Like earlier in the episode about like oh beard, why can't you just tell it to me straight? And Roy's like you kind of did. So I, this this could be Nate just not understanding or not seeing it, but or thinking that Roy and Beard are going to be like yeah, Ted does take all of the credit. Like yeah. they're not going to agree with him on that. It just seems weird, though, because we've established that Nate has some sort of relationship with old Rupee. So why would he need to throw Ted under the bus if Rupert's going to give him an opportunity elsewhere? Pre presumably, but I guess we don't know yet. We'll, we'll I find out. I don't know. I'm curious now. They've titillated me <laughs> in the best way. I'm curious as to where Nate goes, where Sam goes. Um, and then in a year, what more Rebecca reveals to Ted. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming <laughs> episode 11 of season three is Rebecca telling Ted that Keely is in love with him <laughs> and that they should be together forever. You really want that relationship to work. I want that relationship so that Mrs. Bowen <laughs> and Eyebrows McRoy I was just gonna ask, together. which are you more excited about? The Roy Irish Miss Bowen connection or Keely and Ted? 100% Miss Bowen <laughs> okay. and Roy. I okay. see a grand future with those two. Yep. Think about all the kids Roy can swear at if he is married to a grade school teacher. Yeah, but I feel like she wouldn't allow it, man. I don't know if she would. She has sworn she hates glitter. Yeah, but she doesn't do it for the kids, man. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Well, we've talked uh, the longest we've ever talked, <laughs> but that's because this episode was super long. Uh -huh. And so I would like to give Tom the chance to bring us around to episode 12 of season two, which will be next week. And that episode, my good friend Tom, is called, so that everyone can look it up and find out what it is, the name of that episode, 12 of season two of Theodore Lasso, is... <gasps> Nothing, huh? Come on. You haven't failed me yet. Give me something. Uh, I don't know. Curiosity killed Mate Cat. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. Didn't even hesitate. Certainly won't be any dead filler time in this episode 
We appreciate all of you. If you would like to send us questions or comments, you can get to us at Team Binge on Twitter or on Facebook or reach us at Team Binge Podcast at gmail.com. And if you have the time and you enjoy our content, please rate us on Apple Podcasts and your other podcasts. Uh, it really helps us out. We appreciate it. I have been Julian. And I am still Tom. Thank you, everybody. Have yourself a wonderful day.